I want to start this off by giving a huge thanks to uh, Nick and Hannah for giving me the chance and the opportunity to speak on this topic. Um, I want you to think of a time in your life when it was most difficult to trust God. For me, it was last year. Um, I'll start here. Um, January 22nd, last year, it was a normal day. I was in Chicago. I was hanging with a friend. We went to our favorite uh, restaurant that day, but I had to work the next day. Boo. So I did have to hit the road back to Champaign. Um, I was driving south on I-57 and, I don't know, halfway to getting back into town, something just hit me. Um, You know, my body went numb. I was dizzy. I was shaking. I was having hot flashes. And, you know, I you know, it was winter, so I turned, I had my heater on, but I, uh, I turned my heater off, and I was still having hot flashes, um, so I ended up rolling down one window, eventually turned into all four windows as I was driving down, and, you know, it's, it's December, (laughs) all four windows down when you're driving 70 plus miles an hour, freezing cold, the car was freezing cold, but I was still having hot flashes, so I knew something was wrong, um, I pulled over, um, and I asked God to just get me home. I asked God to get me home that night. Um, it was about 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, you know, by 5 o'clock, it's pitch black outside. So I waited about 15 minutes. I was able to regain somewhat of myself, and, and I hopped back on the road. Um, I noticed as it was getting darker, it made it harder to see. And, you know, I just, I was just really praying the whole time. I just want to get home. Um, I made it home right at five o'clock. Um, as it was just getting super dark outside and, you know, I was, I was so tired. I just, I didn't even unpack anything I had. I just came home and I just passed out on my couch. Um, wow. There were many instances like that throughout the year. Um, some more serious than others, but... I was always asking myself the same questions throughout the year. How are you supposed to trust God when life is full of pain and suffering? How do you trust that God has a plan for you when you don't have the job you wanted? Things aren't unfolding the way that you expected them to. Um, Again, you don't have the job you wanted. You, You know, you aren't married yet. How do you trust that God loves you when you're dealing with a disease? How do you trust that God is life-giving when, you know, something bad happens like you lost your dad? How do you even trust that God even exists when there are wars and natural disasters and corrupt leaders? You know, trusting God doesn't just happen. Trust is a verb. It's an action. It's something we have to do ourselves. If you want to trust God when life gets hard, here are three daily daily affirmations that, that could help. Number one, good days are coming. Two, it's not over until it's over, until God says it's over. Three is I'm never alone. I'll uh, I'll start with the first one. Good days are coming. You know, last year I had some awful days. Awful. Um, For most of you, some of you may know, um, I was in in and out of every Christie clinic in Champaign-Urbana, like all of them, which seems like every day, if not every other day. Um, 
nonstop tests, procedures, everything, just done all the time. Um, it just felt like a constant attack. I was just like, Dude, every time I go here, something else is wrong. Something else, some, they find something else to do. But then again, that's just what doctors are or how doctors are. So, you know, I didn't know if it was like just an attack or like what was going on. But throughout that time, I always felt like something was still wrong. You know, they would find say, you know, this is fine. This is fine. But then I've still felt like something was wrong. May 22nd, um, I woke up. And I don't know, I felt dizzy in a way. And I was like, no, something's wrong. Um, I took a shower, I changed my clothes, I got dressed. Um, and I walked from my bedroom to my living room. And it's not that far, it's really not that far. Um, and I just, I, I couldn't do it. I just, I was, it was, I was having a hard time breathing. I felt like I was having some type of attack. I thought it was a, a panic attack, but probably was something more serious um you know I called my mom and my mom was like dude go get checked out okay so I didn't trust myself to drive I ended up ubering um to the nearest urgent care Christie at Christie clinic you know I got there I waited for a little bit um they took me in and I told them what was happening they were just like uh do you have asthma or something and I was like no and they were like, okay, well, we're going to run an x-ray to see what's going on. Okay, so they took me and they ran an x-ray. And I don't know, their, their eyes just got big. Like, they looked at the results and they were just like, yeah, you need to go to an ER, an ER. And I was like, for what? And they were just like, we can't tell you. Like, you just need to get to an ER. It's not serious enough to where we call an ambulance, but you just need to find a way to the next emergency or the nearest emergency room. It's like, okay, it's kind of strange, whatever. I just, I Ubered from urgent care um, all the way to Carl Hospital. Um, I waited about two and a half, three hours in the waiting room. Finally, somebody was able to check me out. Um, they ran an EEG, an EKG, um, echocardiogram. They, they ran everything. And, you know, they had me wait for a little bit. And they called me back and they said, they sat me down and they said, listen, you are in bad shape. I was like, what? They said, you, you are in bad shape, man. We're gonna, you're gonna have to be here for a while. And I was like, what just happened? I don't know what's happening. I'm still like in a daze. Um, so I just, you know, I followed their lead. They took me into a hospital room and they said, yeah, get comfortable because you're gonna be here for a while. Okay, you know, at that time, you know, when I was going to the ER, I had told my mom I was I was going, and you know she lives up north in Chicago. So she, by that time she was there, and my mom was even like lost or whatever. Um, Eight thirty that same night, I got in. Um, they had came in a room and they said, "Here's the results from your echocardiogram." Didn't know what that meant. I was just like, "Okay." They were just like, "You have uh, what we call CHF." What is that? Um, they said that stands for congestive heart failure. Your heart is failing. You. And I was like, what? This is crazy, man. This is crazy. What are you talking about? And um, they were just like, basically, you know, your heart isn't working the way that it's supposed to. So, and it's in really bad shape. Like, you are at about a 5% level. Like, you are just, you're in really rough shape. <sighs> okay, man. 
Um, so I ended up being in the hospital for a while. They were tr trying to do treatments. You know, they gave me a life vest. They gave me all kind of medication and stuff like that to see if anything could help. Um, and nothing was helping. You know, May 27th came and, you know, they had said that, you know, Carl, Carl said that the procedure I needed done, they couldn't do it. They could, they didn't have the expertise to do it. So they didn't think I would have much time um, to get to a bigger hospital and they didn't have time to, to wait. Um, I wait, we waited five days, you know, like I said, on May 27th. Um, and we, they had contacted a bigger, two bigger hospitals in Chicago, Northwestern Medicine and University of Chicago, and all of their beds were filled. Um, they didn't have space for me and they didn't have anybody who was willing to take my case. Um, so yeah, after five days, they said, well, your only chance is to get a doctor's appointment at Northwestern and hopefully one of the doctors can see you and the doctor there can tell you or bring you to a hospital and they'll have to make space for you there. Okay. May 27th, um, around like 4.30 in the afternoon, um, the doctors came in, nurses came in. They said, here's your discharge papers. We're going to let you go. Um, we have an appointment scheduled for you for like June 1st, June 2nd, something like that. We only, you only really have to make it about four or five days and just have your parents take you to Chicago and get you, get you, you know, get you in there. Okay. I, um, we left the hospital at around like 4.30, uh, 4.45. You know, we got dinner at Jersey Mike Subs because I love Jersey Mike Subs. And, you know, I, I went I went home. I was so happy to be home. I didn't know what was going on five days ago, but I was just like, dude, I'm just happy to be home, man. Um, and later that night, it was around like 8.30 that night, 8.34 p.m. specifically, um, I was watching a YouTube video. I got hungry. I just wanted a snack after I, you know, I had my sub and, you know, I was sitting at my desk and I just, I stood up and I felt like I tripped over the chair, but I didn't really trip. I just collapsed. My legs just failed. I collapsed and I couldn't move. You know, my, my mom heard it and she ran in and she was like, Matt, I need you to lift your arm up. And I couldn't do it. My dad was like, Hey, move, move your, move your head around. I said, I can't move. Like I felt I was paralyzed and I didn't know what was going on. Um, they had called 911 and a Carl ambulance ended up coming um, and they they picked me up again um, and um, I, I got back to Carl Hospital that night and I was still in like a daze I'd feel like I blinked and I woke up it was the next morning and I didn't know what just happened you know one of the nurses came in it was like oh you're awake um, do you know what happened last night and I was like no it was like you you suffered a stroke and I was like a stroke like, what and I, you know at that time I, I could I still couldn't really move that much I couldn't walk at all I couldn't do anything and I was like what just happened dude am I like having a fever dream and I'm going crazy what is what is going on and um I was just I was in days man um two days went by from that night uh May 29th came and there was doctors that was just like Oh, you're back again. You only had to last four hours and you couldn't, or you, you only had to last four days and you couldn't last four hours. And you're in such rough shape. We don't know if you're going to have time to even make it to a bigger hospital or, 
survive a surgery that you need because you are in the roughest shape you've ever seen you are in really bad shape and i felt like i was in bad shape so i was like they're not really lying i felt bad i felt as worse as they were talking about um my birthday was in like a week or two two weeks or so june 7th actually and keep in mind this was may 29th and they were just like man i mean i hate to break it to you but i don't even know if you might not see your birthday <laughs> if you don't get out of here you might not see your birthday and i was just like i was like starstruck i was just like what just happened <laughs> what are you talking about um man you know i have a bible verse for this um it's in romans eight eighteen. it said uh it says i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us hmm it can be hard sometimes. It's it's not easy. It's never easy. Um, I ended up getting into a bigger hospital um, June 7th on my birthday that I, I was asked, um, what's one gift I want for my birthday? And I said, just to get better. 11.35 that night on my birthday, Barnes uh, Jewish Hospital in St. Louis called. They said, you know what? We got a, sp we got a space for them and we can, we can work with them and we can, we can figure out what the problem is. Okay, so Carl ended up rushing me from Urbana to St. Louis that night. Got there around like 3.30 in the morning, um, and they admitted me into Barnes Hospital. Got admitted into there. Um, they took about a month to kind of really figure out what the problem is and how to fix the problem. They realized I needed uh, open-heart surgery, and the type of surgery that I needed, they didn't think I would survive it, so they ended up giving me what's called an LVAD. Um, ended up having surgery on June 30th. Um, and at the same time, I was still like trying to recover from the stroke I had. I was so like, <laughs> I was, I left, I feel like I lost everything. <laughs> um, and, um, the month of July was, it was rough man. like, it was, it was rough. It was only, you know, 31 days in July, but it felt like 31 months. Like it felt forever. Um, and, but you know what? They said it was going to be about six months. I was going to be in the hospital for And I was like, please, no. Um, but I got out earlier than they expected. I got out on August 1st. Um, they said, you know, by that time I could, I could walk, I could talk, I can do a lot of things that I didn't think I was able to do. Um, and you know, when I got out, I sat back for a little bit and I thought, wow, I really still, still am here after I, you know, nearly died, um, was told I was going to die and going through the most traumatic experience of my life. Um, after that, you know, I started to have a lot of good days, right? And I don't want to revel in what, you know, bad days I've had, but, you know, after I got out, I got to go to a, a costume party with friends um, for Halloween. I got to spend thanks or, yeah, Thanksgiving with family. I got to spend Christmas with family. We even got to go on vacation to like my favorite city in the country, Las Vegas. I love it. Um, I got to spend a New Year's with friends. I mean, it's, we're in a new year. We're in a new year now. And I didn't, you know, these are all things I didn't think I would even make it to see, um, to do. You know, the joy of looking back on something, even if it's dramatic, and being proud of yourself and making it through it is unmatched. You know, I began to look at life differently. I had to realize that not every day will be a good day and not every day will be a bad day. Some days will be downright awful and other days will just be simply amazing. 
But you know, all pain in life is temporary. When you're having a good day, appreciate it for what it is. But when you're having a bad day, just know it won't last forever. Um, number two, it's not over until God says it's over. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I was deteriorating fast, like really fast. Doctors didn't think I would ma even make it very long, you know, let alone my birthday, which was in two to three weeks. You know, after I got into the hospital, um, I was told many things. Some things did happen and many other things that didn't happen. Um, this leads to a verse I read in the Bible that pertains to this. Um, it's uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When, when Paul wrote to the church in the Philippi, he knew his life was near the end. Although he was in prison and in chains, he writes to his friends, encouraging them to rejoice whenever, whatever the circumstances. He heard the news of their dissensions, disagreements, and the harassment they suffered because of their faith. Yet, his letter told them to rejoice always. Why would Paul be joyful? Because he can see that God was at work in, in their lives. To Paul, their actions meant they received the gospel, and Paul was confident that what God started in the Philippines, or Philippians, he would continue and finish. The work God was doing in their lives was not always pleasant. Paul wanted his friends to keep in mind that Whatever they faced, God was using it to increase their strength and dependence on him and ultimately transform them to be like his son. Yeah, the same is true for us. We may not be you know, facing the fear of physical persecution, but we do have the real fear of losing freedoms. We may not know the real, we may not know real hunger or living without, but we do know uncertain times. Yet everything that we face, the good and bad, God is using. He is working in us and he will complete his work. Um, last thing, number three, that, you know, that, that I kept in mind, I said, you know, I'm never alone. When I was hearing nothing but negati negativity from doctors around me, hundreds of different tests performed all day and all night, people around me saying that they've never had to deal with a situation like this before, especially at my age. In my head, I felt alone. I felt like no one was watching me, but that wasn't true. A few days before I had surgery, I felt nervous, like extremely nervous, given the odds of survival wasn't the best. But, you know, I thought to myself, God is with me. And if I have any purpose left on this earth, he was going to pull me out of this and let me fulfill it. And, well, I made it out of surgery, but was still fighting an uphill battle that was so much of which I'm currently into to this day. I couldn't walk at all. I couldn't eat. I couldn't even brush my own teeth. I felt hopeless until one night I went to sleep and I heard a whisper in my head that said, I'm going to pull you out of this. I woke up, I looked around, no one was there. And I went back to sleep and heard the same thing again. I'm going to pull you out of this. I knew this was God trying to communicate with me. You know, no change doesn't happen overnight. But as the weeks went on, I did begin to see results and every day was getting better and better. I eventually was able to walk again. I could eat, I could brush my teeth, things I would have normally just took for granted. Now, this reminded me of another verse I read in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, that goes, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. <laughs> Very powerful. 
I didn't, I knew I didn't have to fear because he's got me out of so many situations so far. But after you had everyone around me, didn't even after everyone around me, didn't think it was possible. This entire deal has taught me a lot about trust. Um, I'll close with this. Trusting in God has made a huge difference for me in the sense where I can let go of fear. I'm going to have to have another heart surgery again at some point, maybe soon, maybe later. We're unsure. They really only give you a six-hour warning, but I know as long as God is with me, that's all I need. And that's what's pulling me through each day. I'm not saying it's been an easy journey, and it's still not, because you're given all these circumstances that seems like it's a constant attack and will never end. I decided to use what I've learned and find a way to reach out to people who are going through something similar. Because the best motivation to have is to know that you're not alone in your struggles. This is this is my last thing, I promise. We, uh, we all go through pain. Physical, emotional, mental, all around. The important thing is to keep faith. Know that God is watching and he won't let you suffer forever. You'll get through this. Things take time. But as long as you keep your head up, you keep fighting and believing in him, you have no reason to fear anything life throws at you. I trust that God will let me see better days. I trust that God is not giving up on me and it's just not over until he says it's over. I trust that God is with me and I'm never alone. Trust is a strong word. Trust is a hard word. Trust is a hard word. Thank you for listening to me.